Thank you for joining us on Married at First Sight, Season 15, Reunion, Part 1. It was a wild ride. I think some people ended up looking way worse in their natural setting without their edit because I didn't see some people going the way they did. Some of the replays we got of the scenes that weren't shown kind of made me think that some folks got a better edit for their person- what their real personality is like. Totally. Justin. I Kristen? Okay, a little bit Kristen, right? Weird. Before we deep dive, just a heads up for the remaining of this season for Married at First Sight, we are going to switch our days that we put out our podcast to be Saturdays. Leon is going to have surgery in a couple of weeks and it's going to put him on his butt for a while. So what we're doing is trying to do a lot of things he loves and a lot of things that involve any type of movement, essentially, until then. So he's going to have an ACL repair. This We've had multiple before. We are, I'll give you a range. We are over three, less than six ACL surgeries. So many. Yeah, in my 20s, I think I thought I was a much more explosive athlete than I really am. Or are you so explosive the ACL just cannot handle it? Yeah, my body can't keep up with what I want it to do. (laughs) There you go. Anyways, this one is due to soccer, just a a kind of freak incident. Um, Your body's off balance and kind of felt some pain in my knee. Since I've gone through this before, kind of figured I've been down this rodeo, so it's most likely a torn ACL. Went through the whole process and it was confirmed, but I'm glad that in the process, I thought it was taking forever to get a surgery, but I think in hindsight, it actually is, it only took like a month, maybe six weeks to really get this process going. So doing lots of things that you love, lots of things that involve regular walking (laughs) before then. So just trying to get ready, get prepared, get the house ready, because we've been through this many times before, so we know how kind of demanding it is and how much you're really just going to kind of have to hang out during this recovery. Yeah. After surgery and the few weeks following you're you're in a brace, you're icing a lot. You're not doing too much movement, um, going to a little bit of physical therapy, but it really hinders things you'd want to do. Right. Like if you just went to the city's Saturday market, for example, like it would be a totally different experience than before surgery. So we're just trying to do random things like going to basketball games, going to sports games, uh, Going out on the town, if you will. I think we're going to the casino soon. Knock out some blackjack. <laughs> you know, necessities. Oh, you could definitely do blackjack on the low tables. Just you fine. Could. You just have to be real careful. Like, but I'm have sure no they one would, bump you. They would make you feel comfortable. They want you to spend money. They're like, you sit what, here all what, day. You can't what, move. What, what? You can't. Mo- what can we do to make you more comfortable? <laughs> so just for now, we're gonna say we'll bring out shows on Saturday for maths. If I if we can get them out earlier, we will, but I just don't want you guys to be waiting on Friday for it to drop. So at the very latest, Saturdays. So to get right in with this episode, we start the opening scene with everyone sitting on their tiny couches next to each other. And we talk about kind of how the show was. Nate wasn't aware of his blind spots and he realizes that he could have been more vulnerable. Kristen realizes that she over-enunciates, while Alexis feels she under-enunciates. I feel like here on the pod, we under-enunciate a lot. Totally. And I never realized that until I heard my own voice back. And I say things wrong all the time that I did not Folks realize. Folks probably give us a lot of shit when they're listening to this back. But 
Recording yourself for an hour and listen to that back, you will fucking hate your own voice. It's disgusting. Every time I edit, I'm like, wow, like, that's... I really talk like that? I sound so fucking dumb. How do I have friends? <laughs> How are they just not annoyed? <laughs> Alexis also knows it's celibate now. Not celibent? Yeah. Justin realizes that he cries a lot, but says Alexis was always there for him. We will revisit this. So the way we're going to do this episode is I'm going to break down the real spicy beginning. We had couples talk in between here and then we went back to Justin and Nate, but we're going to keep all the couples together. But for right now, I want to deep dive Nate and Justin because this was probably the most exciting part of the entire episode, which we got in the first 10 minutes. Kevin asks, so uh, anyone not on good terms? was very random some of the questions kevin explains it later like he's in the dirt he knows the drama because some questions are a little too specific yeah how no one would know that otherwise so justin's just sitting there smiling said he's always smiling what are you talking about do you notice he called him fraser oh did he no i was like who the hell do you think you are my name is fucking kevin mr (laughs) fraser if you must (laughs) justin says that he blocked everyone and it starts. Nate asks, why did you block me? Repeated it multiple times. And he could not initially provide an example of how he is, quote air fingers, different in person. What I got from the initial conversation between Justin and Nate was that Justin did not get the attention that he wanted from Nate. At the start. That's, that's exactly what I got. It seems like he wanted a... You know, a bro to depend on. Like, hey, man, I have, I'm feeling some type of way. Can I run this by you? But maybe Nate early on sensed I cannot provide that level of time or connection for you. Like, I'm not that person for you. And I think Justin had different expectations. So the example he gave is that he was all up in it with Morgan during her drama, but never like wanted to be there for Justin. And I think Justin wanted him, him being Nate to come to him. Versus maybe he was just in the drama of Morgan. I doubt Morgan went to Nate for advice. Nate says, I'm not looking to be your therapist. And then calls Justin a crybaby. So shortly after this, then things started to really spiral. Out of nowhere, Justin says, you made a pass at me twice before the show. So in the preview, before this episode even aired, I almost heard that and translated it as... Like, literally, before the airing of this episode, he made a pass on him. When they broke it down, it was when we were basically in the inception of the season, getting together, getting to know each other. You made what Justin thought was two passes on him. Justin follows that up with, No guy compliments another guy two days in a row. I feel like Justin needs to have friends that are closer. I feel like your friends would boost you up. I feel like you need to be comfortable with yourself. There's something going on here and it isn't Nate. Well, don't you just meet up with your friends casually and be like, you look great. Like, oh, yeah, fantastic. I, haven't I seen think you in a while. that is totally fine. Whether it be from a male or female to a male or female, it doesn't matter. I will walk around just giving people random compliments in the mall. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean I want to be with them. <laughs> Nate asks again, why did you unfollow me? So many of my notes in this section is just Nate asking that over and over again, and I don't understand why he keeps asking. I think he feels that in this moment, Justin won't... Okay, this is what Nate wants to hear out of Justin. He wants to hear, 
yeah, I'm all up in my feelings. I didn't like some shit you guys posted or something you did against me, so I unfollowed all of you. Then it gets more heated. Justin says, take some bass out of your voice, boy. And then Nate responds with, what are you going to do, bro? I surely have you reading these lines. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You're doing a great job, by the way. Thank you. For, For one, I don't think there was ever any chance of them actually coming to blows, anything happening. Nate never even stood up. That just tells you that nothing's going to happen. Justin gets up. Ben immediately gets up. And can we all agree that Ben is the strongest person physically on this stage? I will definitely get behind that. Also, if we're talking about this, I think Nate would probably win the fight. Yes, so results of the poll I put out last week, 100% Nate had the votes of the people to win this rumble. How, how many votes were on that poll? Like 30, not a ton, but we were all that's in the a, same that's vibe. A decent sample size. Nate says, I'll fold you in half. And then he says, I got you outside. One of the best lines in this whole argument. Justin says, don't let the softness fool you. I got hands. <laughs> I don't think I've heard anyone say I got hands since school days. We are in our 30s. (laughs) Justin's in his 30s, right? Yes. I don't know if I've heard someone over 30 say I got hands. Same. I've heard people say like, oh, throw hands, but it's rare to hear I got hands. Justin, my guy, you have not gotten into a fight since like high school or middle school. Like most of us, (laughs) we ain't got no hands. No hands to throw. No hands to throw. We only got the two. Ain't no extra. (laughs) (laughs) Stasha tells Nate to calm down while Alexis goes backstage to calm Justin down, saying this is not who you are. As the episode goes on, we kind of see it. It kind of is who Justin is. While Justin is backstage, everyone agrees that Justin is projecting. What do you think they mean by this? I, I don't know. I mean, putting blame on them for why he unfollowed them versus just saying like you're just that type of person you just unfollow people some people you think treat you some type of way you just immediately unfollow but you're putting the blame on them that and i also think he's generally projecting his insecurity with who he is how he acts how he feels he's just putting that on everyone else so give me your theory on what you think really happened before that I think it's just odd, and I don't know if I know someone like this in the real world, but they mentioned that Justin unfollowed, then followed, then unfollowed again. I'm just like, that's real, like, kid shit, like, real immature. I don't know. That was just, at that point, they should have just blocked him to be like, fuck it, you don't want to unfollow me. All right, bye. What I think really happened is that Nate and Justin met with, you know, everyone else that was going to be on the show, at least all all the husbands. And he got to talking with Justin, got to know him. They went back and forth. He could probably sense sort of a, you know, because when you're meeting someone in this setting, I imagine you're talking about your past dating experiences, why you're on this show, why it hasn't worked out for someone. I have a feeling maybe Justin was doing a lot of the talking compared to Nate and Nate could sense like, wow, this guy either has like a lack of confidence or... No one told him that he's a decent looking gentleman, right? So he just tried to boost his boy up. He's probably like, dude, you got like great teeth, good skin. You look like a good dude. Like, why are you on this show? It looks fantastic. That's all I think that happened. I think he was just trying to boost him up, give him some confidence. And somehow, for some reason, Justin's just been harboring this for months. 
Because you could have, if you were uncomfortable or it made you feel some type of way, like he said, you could have just said, um, hey, man, you know, I'm not really comfortable, like, you complimenting me like this. And then Nate could have said, oh, no, no, man, it's just like, you know, he explained himself like, no, I didn't mean anything like that. And then Justin said, oh, my bad. Like, I just read that wrong. And it would have been over. But it's wild that you would even have to explain a compliment. That is, it is different. People need to get comfortable giving and receiving compliments. It's a nice thing. It doesn't have to mean more than that. We do. Li- we live in an interesting world. We're within ourselves so much now. We. I feel like people don't even interact that much with each other. I think that also makes for awkward moments, which is maybe moments that Justin has been a part of. Like, if some stranger just went up to you and said, wow, you look fantastic, or I don't know, your outfit looks great, but it was it was a guy. Initially, you would probably be kind of weirded out. I mean, it'd be like, I'd oh. go, thanks, bye. But, like, I wouldn't be like, oh, he loves me. Like, <laughs> it just wouldn't. It, sure. I don't know. But I also compliment people. I'm the weird one that compliments strangers. So, I don't know. And I've complimented guys. That doesn't mean I yeah. like them. I'm just saying that's a cool shirt. As soon as everyone sits down again, Nate's back at it. You gonna answer the question? Why is Nate obsessed with this? Does he view social media as so important? A social currency, if you will. No, in that moment in time, I think it was more, he was offended that Justin was calling him gay. So he's sort of poking at the question because like, well, this is how I can get back at him without him saying like, why the hell did you call me gay? I don't know. And also, if Justin was trying to out someone, that's lame. I I did like that Kevin cleared it up for everyone. Like, Justin, you got to understand, just because someone compliments you (laughs) does not mean you want anything to do with them. Yes. Got to get that straight. I hate that even had to be said. It had to be, well, right? But then Justin did say, I'm just trying to explain how it made me feel. And my thought is, why didn't you let him know at that moment in time? Because he has to harbor it and use it as ammo. Oh, I'm going to use this later. Or he just made it up after the fact. You don't know how things are going to work out in the future. In the future, you might have a great friendship. So it'd be weird to harbor this for so long. I don't like when we're uh, in any type of relationship, romantic or friendship wise, when you keep track and you keep ammo. No, no, no. Then we talk about why Justin unfollowed other cast members. He says that he unfollowed Kristen because she acts a certain way in front of Alexis versus how she is behind closed doors. How do you know how Kristen acts behind closed doors? You are not in a relationship with her. You are not home with her. Weird, but okay. He unfollowed Lindy and Morgan because they went on a hike without him. Feels very juvenile to me. People can go on hikes without you. People can do things without you. Now you guys were all talking together saying you should go on a hike, but it ended up being them too. You can have hurt feelings without also trying to hurt their feelings. You can say, hey, that made me feel this way or something. But you trying to hurt someone because you got hurt is not, it's not okay. I wonder how that played out. Like, were they all in a group chat and someone saying, oh, I'm interested in doing the cycling. Oh, I'll go with y'all. And did they just not get back to Justin and they post photos of them on the hike and Justin's like, oh, weird. That's the hike I told you, like, I wanted to go on with y'all. And I think that's exactly how it went. And it's shitty. It's a shitty feeling, especially when you were in the initial conversation. I get that. But to claim everyone on this cast is fake, you're reaching. He unfollowed Stasha because he doesn't like her husband. Sure. Okay. He didn't want no beef. And that was kind of it for the initial segment. Real spicy at the start. It kind of went downhill as far as like my interest after. 
But we got some good couple time. I think it was due that in the individual couple breakdowns, there really weren't surprises. No, we didn't learn anything about their experiences or what they went through. So it didn't feel that productive. Like I learned a lot from those first 10 minutes. (laughs) I did enjoy, I don't know where we're starting, but I did enjoy the sit down with Kristen and Mitch. I feel like I got a little bit more clarity with them. Uh, I didn't love their section, but I'll I'll explain why when we get there. Are you okay with starting with Nate and Stasha? Sure. Okay. Kevin says, we're going to start with the poster children for sex. Nate and Stasha. you, You immediately cringed. Oh, why would you say that? Why are we saying children and sex in the same sentence and then adding poster child? Like, it was weird. Could we have come up with any other saying? Like the role models for sex? Yeah, uh, couples goals or something. I don't know. We get a replay of what Kevin describes as maths after dark. It was just as cringy as the first time around. Didn't need it. Kevin mentions that they are a perfect match because of the chemistry they have. But personally... Okay, some controversial thoughts right now. To me, after the segment, I feel they are halfway to a divorce right now. They are fighting about the exact same things they fought about all season. They have not come up with any solutions. Stasha has not grown in any way. She still has to control everything. And she talks about, oh, I've already created a safe space for Nate, but clearly there's something still lacking. And it's not blameless, but I just see Stasha being so overbearing. Why would someone open up to that? Two things that caught me were the conversation about children. Whereas it seemed like Stasha is a very planned out individual. And she seems really set on like within one year. Whereas it seems like Nate really wants to push it down a ways. Like Like years. Two years. Two plus years. That was huge for me. I think that is a conversation. It seems like when we get to Miguel and Lindy, like they've sort of synchronized on when they would like that to happen. Whereas Nate and Sasha are not even close considering they already have the phase one of Miguel and Lindy's plan, which is to get a house. Like they already have phase uh, one. Eh, but so so eh. hear me out. And the second one was the issue with the two living situations. I feel like that's really awkward that they're going from one to the other for a few weeks where... There are options to figure that out. For example, I don't mean to be so blunt about it, but your wife does make close to half a million dollars a year. From what we learned, I think you can afford as a unit to cut a lease eight months early. Now, if you can't do that, unless there's some law local to where you're at, you could also sublease and just rent that out to somebody else and let them take over in the future. Now, if that's not an option, you could, quote, airfingers, get a roommate and then just give up the lease. I think this all goes back to this being Stasha's home. They can't, I don't see them being comfortable living together until they get their own home on neutral ground. He will always be a guest in her house. It will always be decorated how she wants. It will always be run how she wants. I think he's keeping the apartment because he's not comfortable. And he pretty much says that. He's not safe. He doesn't feel safe. Yet, yeah. Well, he even mentioned during the season, like, well, if you, like, kick me out, like, where am I going to go? Right? That's, like, that's like sort of, like, a um, something he hasn't gotten over. Yeah. And it was a problem, and they never addressed it, and they're still not addressing it. Okay, now that you learned a bit about the couple, if they did find a different location, a different home, wouldn't Stasha still try to take over that space? I think so, but the fact that they both put money into it, I think it would be... More of a compromise. Nate says it's healthy for them right now. 
as Stasha laughs and smiles. Nate and Stasha then talk about the good parts of their relationship, the natural attraction and chemistry they feel to one another. Then we cut to various scenes of Stasha grilling Nate. Stasha says, if you move slow, you won't know the true essence of who this person is. And I, that doesn't make sense to me. I feel like you would deeply know the person by slowly growing that connection with them. Why does it have to be immediate? This is who I am. This is everything I am. All cards on the table. You take it or leave it. It goes back to their issues during the show where Stasha felt like I'm opening up to him in every which way, emotionally, physically. And she felt like Nate is sort of much slower to open up. And that it's wrong. His way is wrong. I really think that she is trying to make Nate into her. She wants the male version of her. And you will never find that. Also, that would, I think, drive her crazy. They had an interesting arc on their interview because it seemed to start fairly positive. But I was surprised and really, honestly, really happy with Kevin in this moment that he was able to sort of pull on their strings a little bit to get the truth out. How are you like really doing? How do you feel about this? Are you satisfied with your husband? Uh, I thought he did a great job. That question in particular, totally gave a new light to things. And that's why I say nothing has changed. Stasha's talking about things that they need to work on, but really it's a list of things that Nate needs to work on. She says, being open, being more vulnerable, being more consistent. And I don't think she would say those are things that she herself needs to work on. It's interesting because later on in their interview, Nate makes a callback to that and says, it's not what you know, she or I have to work on. It's what we have to work on. Yes. And I want her to see that because that's exactly how I feel. It's they both have their issues. Nate's not denying he has issues, but Stasha will not work on her own or even realize them at this point. Stasha says she is not getting what she wants. She talks about how Nate moves slower, that he needs to feel safe. And she says, I feel like I've been providing this safe space. So what the hell? Open up already. You're not creating the space that he wants. Your definition is not his definition. Kind of goes back to when we say when a couple's yelling, but to someone (laughs) else, that would be like, that's a totally normal conversation. Yes. I take tone as yelling, not necessarily volume. Though if you do tone and volume, I'll just cry. Oh my gosh. (laughs) We get into like nitty gritty details and I liked hearing it. Stasha says she still has not relinquished control. If Nate cooks dinner, she creeps in and tells him what he's doing wrong. Well, she essentially, she takes over. She takes over and then gets mad when Nate doesn't do stuff. When she mentions the, yes, you cook one time a week, but we have to eat six more dinners. Yeah. Wow. It. She's not even grateful for the one time or saying, hey, let's cook together or let's split this. Let's come up with a chore chart something it's just oh you're not doing this enough oh you did this cool that's nice you think that's doing something but that doesn't mean shit to me is how i took that maybe that's over dramatic but that's what i heard in my head stasha says that nate needs to tell her to sit her ass over there and let me do it in terms of cooking dinner or doing a task how do you think that would go maybe without the cameras they speak to each other a certain way but i don't think that's exactly how she would like it communicated to her I just think she would be like, what did you say to me? I think it'd be a fight. So you're pretty set that they are headed towards divorce. 
on yeah. the current path they are on. Yes, if they they're at a split road, in my opinion. If she can figure it out and work with him, I think they'll be totally fine. They'll be a great couple. But it's not going to last the way it is right now. Then we talk about Nate surprising Stasha with a photo wall. And I thought this was going to be a wall of like family photos or couple photos, but it really means a wall that is dedicated to like Instagram. Also, it was very poorly done because in their selfie, it wasn't even the whole background. You could see their white wall behind it. This goes back to your pet peeves where you're thinking that there's no way in hell Nate put all this together. Oh, no, this is no. Nate would not. All these things that couples do are are not anything they do. Which goes back to the question of from Kevin is Nate still doing these things? Yeah. And even that was like a little controversy of Sasha's kind of like, uh, yeah, I mean, he does things, but they're not things I want to do. Yes. So she says, yes, you do little things like buy me a card or flowers, which Axe adorable. Axe so cute. Was mentioned. Yeah. Jet skiing. I mean, he picks me up coffee in the morning. All these things are very sweet, by the way. And she should appreciate them like anyone should. But you know what it is, though? Going back. Hmm. It's like, yeah, you picked up the coffee, but like I paid for it. I don't think so. If he's picking up coffee, he's paying for it. I don't know. I'm just saying. From what I heard, this is just my translation. Nate says, I took you jet skiing. I took you axe throwing. It's a tone. It's like, yeah, he does a couple things here and there. And he says he does not get the credit he wants. Stasha says she feels like she gives credit, but not in the way he wants. Do I want to go jet skiing or axe throwing? No, but I'm compromising and I do it with a smile. That's rude. You really don't appreciate, even if he's putting in the effort. I mean, I know you want date nights to be what you want, but you do have to appreciate the effort, time, money put but into something else. How would you suggest Stasha communicate that with Nate as far as we should probably talk about what date night's going to be versus you surprising me with things you only want to do? Like, how would you how would you go about doing that? So I think at that point, you have to be pretty blunt in saying hey, these are a list of things I want to do or things coming up in town that I would really like to do. We should do them. Or say, I don't know, there's... I don't want to say communicate because that's so broad. Of course you should communicate. But I feel like this is something that comes in time. They're still really early in the relationship. You find out the things they love to do and what they want to do. She would probably just love a really nice dinner going out. But at this point, shouldn't Nate have already gotten those signals of what she enjoys? I agree with that. Yeah, he should. And but I wouldn't think that she would not be down for jet skiing or axe throwing. Like I thought she'd she's pretty adventurous. I don't think she'd be down for axe throwing. Really? Jet skiing? Okay, yeah. I just think that if you keep going down the road where only one person is satisfied by these activities, it could wear away at somebody. Well, it definitely can because it kind of shows you don't know what this person likes. You don't know what their interests are, what they find romantic. So, yeah, I agree. He does need to clue in on that. But there has to be some base level of appreciation because at least he's trying. But I get what you're saying. I do think that he needs to figure out what she would consider a date night. Kevin asks, do you feel satisfied by your husband? She just smiles really big and says she feels satisfied in moments. So me and you had different opinions about this. Stasha says that she likes to have thought-provoking conversations. She wants to be part of a team where Nate looks out for her, puts her above all, 
where he tells her where she is going and who he is going with on a consistent basis. So let's break that down. The first part, thought-provoking conversations. What is that to you? To me, I thought she meant something in the lines of Nate's responses are really bland, right? They're like really boring. Or I try to have a conversation with them and it's very short. I took it as really bad. Like you kind of called him dumb. That is another way of taking it. And I can see... I can see where you would get that from. I would be insulted if someone said that to me. Now, I'm maybe taking it too far. Maybe I'm reading into it too much. And the last part, telling me where he's going and with who. So does he not do that right now? I feel like there's more to that and we didn't really expand on it. I'm concerned. Is he not telling her where he's going? I feel like Stasha could have dressed up their living situation a bit. If you're going between homes, I mean, what's stopping... Nate from just hanging out at his spot and then just doing his own thing, especially if not, um, excuse me, especially if Stasha is such like a workaholic and she's like a go-getter. I mean, I'm sure she's busy with work a lot. But shouldn't he still say where he's going? Oh, for sure. I, I agree with you there. Okay. I'm just saying that their situation right now is not optimal. No, it's not. And it's weird because they say they're together, but I bet during arguments they go to their own houses. So overall, this conversation... I feel like we learned a little bit more, not a ton, but boy, they need to get it together. They're at a crossroads. Then we move on to Kristen and Mitch. We see the door ajar conversation. Mitch says that he shouldn't have pussyfooted around it, which I don't even know if I've heard that in a conversation before. (laughs) I mean, he doubled down and I was like, oh my God, did we really just say pussyfoot on TV? And then he said multiple times, two more times. I don't even entirely know what that means, but I'll look it up. During the honeymoon, Mitch thinks that he is having a drawn out panic attack and he did not handle it in a good way. I could see it. It lends a little bit of explanation for how badly things were going. I just imagine someone like Mitch having all this brought into their life, right? With the cameras, the show, the shoots, the production. He's not used to any of that. I mean, there's probably a big weight on your shoulders to make this work. Like, this is the person you're supposed to fall in love with. Like, this is the one. And if there's any kind of, you know, crack in that storyline, you're really questioning everything, either maybe about yourself, maybe about life. And that just translated to him telling Kristen, like, I don't really feel into you. And he admitted on in the couch, like, this was a huge mistake. And he, he you can tell he thinks it was a mistake. I mean, it set the the tone for their two months. Kristen said that she didn't think that there was even a possibility that he wouldn't be attracted to her. Now, is this just high self-confidence or did she mean it in a way that it just didn't cross her mind that that was something she needed to worry about? She probably feels like she has quirks about her. Maybe they've been mentioned to her before, but most likely it has never been her looks. So she was thinking he might not like my dog or things I'm interested in but there's no way he's not going to like the way I look. No one's ever told me, like, you know, I'm not pretty. She follows that up with, to this day, she doesn't believe that Mitch was not attracted to her. And I feel like he's saying in many ways that maybe we should just stop it. Like, just let's move on. Now, are you thinking throughout the whole season or just in that moment in time? I think he wasn't physically that attracted to her. He keeps saying it. Not saying it's right. I don't think... (laughs) I think he was, but as Mitch stated, like more in her natural state. Yes, but 
that's not really the state she wants to be sure, in. Sure. I mean, and then we find out Mitch is easily excitable, so I don't know. <laughs> this this season has been so open to their sexual adventures, more than I can remember about any other season. Same. Then we learn about Hobbygate, a scene that was not shown in the regular season. I want people to really, really focus on this. When folks talk about, oh, I got a bad edit, or that person got a good edit, or whatever the case may be, when you see this scene of Kristen, you can kind of think about her a different way. And it goes to show how much production can alter your thought process of how an individual will look. Are they the hero? Are they the villain? I didn't get why she freaked out about this so much. Personally, I've not had a man ask me about my hobbies and think I don't have hobbies. If someone asks, it's generally they're trying to get to know you. I I think she took it as more of a condescending thing. Like, oh, do you even have hobbies? You can kind of see in her eyes like she had either been crying or had been through something. Well, I feel like... This was when they were talking about their childhoods and growing up, and I think she had been crying already talking, and then this made her cry again. I don't know why she would react that way. I think maybe it was a tough conversation, and Mitch being Mitch, maybe he was trying to lighten the mood of like, hey, like, what are your hobbies? And I have no idea why this went the way it went, but it was just not what I expected. It was blown out of proportion, and we know she does react harshly sometimes to things that maybe aren't the biggest deal. And this is probably one of them, maybe. And as you, as we're playing this, you can see Mitch reacting to the replay and he's almost cringing, but laughing like, look how she was treating me. Wow. Can you believe that? His response was like a punished kid. (laughs) So Mitch asks, do you have any hobbies? Kristen responds with, do you think I don't have hobbies? And it was just it was just kind of out of left field. Mitch asks again, so do you have any hobbies? Kristen responds with, do you see me do anything? Cooking, walking the dog, going to the beach, reading? Do you think playing a sport is a hobby? Mitch says yes. Then she asks Mitch again, do I have hobbies? He says, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so you just beat him down until he said you had hobbies. He still doesn't know the answer. Personally, I don't think things that are a responsibility are a hobby. And she just named off like walking the dog, which is not a hobby in my opinion. Dog owners out there, ping us and let us know if owning a dog is a hobby. Yeah. Is that like a responsibility? Because <laughs> it's like a life you're taking care of. Like it's having a kid a hobby. Eh, probably not. Mm. What is the definition of a hobby? I don't know. I mean, if I mentioned my hobbies, it would be like building Gundams, doing puzzles, playing chess, Learning to play chess, I should say. So the definition of a hobby is an activity done regularly in one's leisure time for pleasure. Cutting back to them on the couch, Mitch says, I had an incorrect definition of what a hobby is. I was wrong. Eh, Was he? Eh, up for debate. Both of them agree that they are not going to be together in the future. And this is kind of it. But they are amicable. I I was happy that they are remaining friends, which... Seems like it for most couples this season, which I am happy about. So Kristen said they took a couple days apart from each other after the pool party meltdown. And I wish we got to see that. How often were these couples not even sleeping under the same roof? I wonder if those moments were just really boring that they're caught, but there's just nothing to show. But you would think they would have to either text or do some kind of communication of, 
Like a rekindling. Something, or like, hey, I'm stopping by the apartment. So Mitch jumped back into his old life after the show. He's not dating, and he wants to work through some things that has happened. Kristen was transferred to a New York City team and travels a lot. She recently started dating again, and she thinks she's a catch, so the right guy is just around the corner. I I wish them all the best. It was surprising to see that a few folks have sort of seen maybe their worst in a relationship on the show where they understand if one am I ready to be married and two like what do I need to work on to be ready to get married I we see that with Mitch and then we see that with Ben which I thought was really interesting also Kristen says that she would say no on decision day and that's a lie I thought she would have said no even if Mitch said yes there's no way I'm steadfast on it (laughs) I just feel like she talked to her homegirls, her homeboys, whatever it may be, and they like, no girl, you're fucking way better than this. You deserve a man who wants you. Fuck Mitch. So then we get a small segment with Lindy and Miguel. Nothing too breaking. They moved into Miguel's place and she's decorating it, making it a little more homey. And we find out that she plays D&D every week. Which is different compared to Nate and Stasha where that is actually sort of the way she was speaking about it was um, with joy. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, we went on some dates and like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do those things. Whereas the D&D thing seems like they have a good time. The tone was totally different between these two couples. Then we see the couples retreat again. And I even said it on Twitter. I was almost surprised that I forgot how much I disliked Miguel. I forgot it for a split second. And people were like, absolutely not. It's, <laughs> I did not forget that. It's more incredible that. After that weekend, they were still a couple. She says they're stronger because of it. And I think that would have been my cue to run. I don't think that would have made us stronger. Lindy talks about how she's on a new discovery of growth and is personally evolving. Miguel thinks that he has seen Lindy's anger and Lindy agrees. She definitely feels he has felt it and that people can feel it from a mile away. So I don't know. I hope she's growing and kind of dealing with that as well. That's not great. I hope she does, but I feel like we don't see her sort of confess that it is a, I don't want to say, well, I want to say it's a big problem and it's like something that can really impact our relationship and I want to work on it. I don't feel that level of commitment to a change in that aspect of her life. She touched on it a little bit by saying no one wants to be with someone that is like that all the time. So I, admission is the first step. (laughs) So maybe we're getting there. It's part of her evolution. So Miguel has won the last name battle. She is officially hyphenated. She did it on her own. He never brought it up again. She showed him her new social security card. I thought Kevin was going to introduce McGindy when he brought her up. Oh, (laughs) yeah. That would have been incredible. I thought there was going to be like an intern running it out and being like, here's your child. No, they, they seem good. And they seem like a good couple as far as where they want to be in life, their goals together. I think having that, I think honestly, after seeing McGindy on TV, more couples, it might be dangerous because if you already have a couple that's sort of on the breaking point, you probably don't want to introduce a robotic baby. No, I want Morgan and Ben to have a robotic baby. But it would be interesting (laughs) to see more couples go through that exercise. I thought that was really good. Yeah. We talked about it a little bit, but she says she feels really secure after everything they went to at the prom. But I feel like they didn't resolve anything. I feel like they're like, yeah, that happened. Now Miguel got some alone time to recharge and we're moving on. 
I don't, I don't know if anything was actually talked about or resolved. Then we get a segment with Morgan and Ben, which we didn't need. I, we learned nothing new. It's the same thing over and over again. Did you know Morgan is a nurse? Okay, let's go back to this. Ben talks about, I'm not ready to be in a relationship. I'm not ready to date. I'm just going to work on myself. From Morgan, there is nothing even close to that. Absolutely no accountability. There is, um, oh, I have issues forgiving people or trusting people. I mean, even if someone wronged you, the amount that he apologized for, it seemed like it took you so long to forgive. That's going to impact you in future relationships. I will bet you your future boyfriend is going to break your trust, is going to do something. They're going to piss you off. Like, it's just how it is. Um, Morgan says what hurt her was the lack of respect. But she does think that Ben genuinely felt bad. He did. And Kevin asked about sort of the way Justin handled those conversations. And I feel like this is where I think, honestly, Justin just likes drama in some way. Like If your friend is coming to you and um, wants to talk things over or needs help, I don't think you just immediately put them on speakerphone next to your wife, who's kind of, well, maybe not at the time, known to sort of get in the drama or ask questions of towards other couples that really puts them on their toes or on their heels, right? Going backwards. I just thought of something. Do you see how different the relationships are? So he is mad at Nate for not giving him the attention that he wants. Ben gave him the attention that he wants and the brotherhood, the relationship, and he burned him. So that's true. Who's the common denominator making shit up and causing the problems? Sure. Just saying. I doubt it'll happen, but I'll be interested to see if they touch on that between Ben and Justin in part two, although I'm not really holding my breath for that. Kevin asks Morgan if she regrets not giving it another chance. She says no, but does regret ending it early. Which, what does that mean then? Because you wanted a a divorce regardless. So I guess you wanted to be on TV longer? I don't get it. Yeah, I'll miss out on some of the fun events, hang out with the gals. Hang out with the girls. Hang out with the girls. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm getting PTSD moments of Chris and Alyssa. <laughs> ben says he realized he wasn't ready for marriage and that there are things he needs to heal, specifically growing up, feeling that he wasn't good enough, and he's trying to work on that. He invited Morgan out to brunch and apologized again, and it sounds like she finally accepted this one. She said it made her feel amazing, which is weird. Morgan says the difference between the previous apologies and the one at brunch was that he was just regurgitating what everyone else was saying. Ma'am, he bought your favorite chicken sausage. At some point, if, if I was over someone and I just wanted to sort of wash my hands of them and just move on, in some way, I wouldn't care how the apology was. Like, you apologize. Hey, that's awesome. I wish you the best. Good luck to you. Like... Just move on. Yeah. Stop hanging on to this. Exactly. Morgan moved away from San Diego and will be traveling. She has gone on some dates, but nothing successful. Ben took a job as a project engineer and has not been dating. He's not ready for a relationship. And that marriage is in the distant future for both of them. Now, Alexis and Justin, we did get a little bit of new stuff from them. Justin admits that he may have moved too fast on the honeymoon by saying, I love you. And Alexis says that she leaves her house every day prepared to love. So she was essentially just being open. Things get a little hazy. Kevin asks a very direct question. And we find out that they consummated the marriage on the honeymoon. I'm curious how this happens. Does 
Kevin meet with every couple and say, okay, give me all the tea. I need to create my notes and questions to ask you on the set. Or do the producers that have spent all this time with them be like, hey, this is what happened. They have the real tea. They've been I with them from the start. I feel like the experts would also have more of that information, though. The experts don't know anything. I've come to the conclusion that they have no idea. They reviewed um, their chart or whatever the yeah, hell they call it. Yeah, exactly. They revealed your reel, <laughs> your highlights for five minutes. Justin said, we did consummate the marriage on the honeymoon. Alexis corrects him and says, we tried to. Again, these couples are really open. I had trouble in- interpreting what they meant by this. The dabbling in adult things. I think that means jobs were done. Jobs, Many jobs. Jobs from both sides were probably done. But what do you mean by try to... Actually, now I get it now. Yeah, no. Okay. No, I get it. <laughs> okay, good. Once One side was satisfied. Yes, exactly. Yeah, okay. And then it ended okay. fairly quickly. Gotcha. Justin says, in her eyes, meaning Alexis, it wasn't very long... But I penetrated, and that's what it was. We orgasmed. (laughs) And Alexa says, uh, excuse me? She raised her eyebrows in shock. And Justin says, well, it sounded like you did, and I did. I feel like Justin is revealing a little bit more of, I don't want to say lack of experience. Because maybe having pleasure in the moment and orgasming are two totally different things. (laughs) I think he poked, and that was it. He heard like one like meep and he's like, she orgasmed. That was it. I'm good. She exhaled and that was it. I still got it. (laughs) (laughs) And then we get kind of to the shady part of Justin again. Justin asked Alexis to not tell anyone. She agreed. But then when he got mad at her, he threatened to tell everyone their secret. Weird energy. And okay, we are all adults on this show. What the hell is the issue with telling someone that you poked on the fucking honeymoon? With your wife. <laughs> what is the issue? Oh, we can't we can't be the first. We can't be the first to is admit that it was what us. It is? Who yeah. cares? No. Who I fucking cares? Would not look at someone different for having sex with their husband like, uh, on their honeymoon. We we can't reveal this on live TV with our families watching. I what do they what do your family think you're doing? <laughs> of course. They would all just assume you did on the honeymoon. Yeah. Or after. It's not a big deal. I don't know. But to be like, I'm going to tell them. I'd be like, do it. I'll do it. I'll call them right now. Justin talks about how Alexis would come back from her interviews and say that she talked good about him, had his back, all that good stuff. But when he watches it now, he realizes that's not really the case. It's like you were throwing shade every which way, every chance you got. Kevin asks if they're still together and Justin says that they are not. And it was my choice. But then there's confusion on whose choice it was. Alexis is totally shocked and says, what? Justin Th- says, I think it's me who broke it off. Alexis says, I have screenshots. This couple is, it's hard to figure out who's telling the truth. It really is. Especially for them. Yeah. yeah. Because Alexis had a certain edit where we were all for sure like, we are not team Alexis. But then we're seeing Justin got a very different edit than the energy we're seeing now. And it's kind of making things add up a little bit more. Alexis says that she is the one that asked for the divorce. And Justin responds by saying that she is lying and putting on a front. It doesn't matter. Like you're divorced. (laughs) It's like at this point, they're trying to win any battle they can. Even the battle of who called it off. Yes. 
Just anything. They're going to fight over. Which is weird because Justin should know. Well, he might not. But on live TV, Alexis was the one that says, well, yep, guess this is over. He's like, oh, this is over. She's like, yep. Yeah. Kind of pretty clear that it was Alexis energy that uh, caused this to be over. Justin claims that Alexis came to his house drunk one night after the club. She says that never happened. And Justin says, you are a compulsive liar. Again, it's really hard to break down who's telling the truth in this couple. But just to play a little bit of devil's advocate in some type of way, I think someone can tell a lot of lies. But to to say someone's physical presence was in your home, I feel like there's no, you know, story, uh, one version of the story, another version of the story. I feel like, who cares what the story was? You were in my apartment and some moment in time, which is weird that Alexis said that didn't happen because I have a feeling it did. I don't know what the circumstances were, but you were there. Also, how'd she get there? Did she Uber there? Did a friend take her there? Many questions. Maybe she did the RU up. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that never <laughs> happened. Who knows? But I just have a weird feeling of Justin just saying, yeah, you were in my apartment. Don't know why he would lie. Oh, about man. That. What if she just did the RU up text? And he's like, yeah, she came to my house drunk. I could mm. I could see it. I'm just saying. With how we see Justin acting this one episode, I'm giving people a lot of leeway now. Is Maya back with him? Oh, they didn't say, but I think so. Because on Instagram, I think Maya has an Instagram and it showed them together. If I'm remembering that right. So I think okay, so. In my little investigation I just did in my head, there's no fucking way Alexis would go to Justin's house because Maya is there. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe she's like, lock the dog up. Put her back in the pantry. (laughs) All right, that's it for this episode. We see Reunion Part 2 next week, which I can't wait to get into. Thank you all for joining us another episode. Really appreciate everyone listening. Old time, first time, new time. Thank you all. Thank you all so much. Have a good weekend. Talk to you next week.